Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Buckle up. We got a show today that's going to blow your mind. It's another reminder of why you need to kick all of corporate media to the curb. We're going to discuss some truths related to Gerard Carmichael and the Golden Globes that no one, no one in corporate media, no one on YouTube will go where we're about to go. Be prepared. We're going to discuss the silent P next. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Thursday to you and yours. Uh, it's the day before Friday. I don't want to waste any time today because I am piping hot about today's show. It's off the hook. I'm not even going to waste time telling you how good I look, telling you about these emails I continue to get about my hair, color, and you know just how good I look. Some of you men are still jealous. I'm not going to waste time talking about it today because this show today Fantastic. Fantastic. TJ Moe back in studio with me to show me kid. He'll be here tomorrow as well. Dave Shannon is waiting on deck. Shamika Michelle is waiting on deck. Steve Kim is waiting on deck. Because we're going to blow your mind and give you something to think, talk about, enjoy, discuss with your family. You'll be able to discuss this all weekend, all next week. This topic and where I go today, where God has taken me today, off the hook, off the hook. Tell your friends, family, call people right now and tell them, hey man, get on over to youtube.com, Jason Whitlock, go watch Fearless. You must watch the show. I can't overhype how good this show is going to be. I also can't overhype how good uh, Cozy Earth is. Goodbye to Night Sweats. Hello, Summer. Hotter weather used to mean goodbye to a good night's sleep until I discovered Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth bedding is so soft, luxurious, and best of all, temperature regulating, I'm sleeping better than I have in years. Cozy Earth sheets are made from the finest luxury materials, including our highly sustainable and ethically produced bamboo called soft viscose. They're temperature regulating so you sleep cool and comfy year round. Cozy Earth is so confident you will absolutely love their products, they'll even let you try them for 100 nights risk free. And for a limited time, save 35% on Cozy Earth's truly awesome bedding. Go to CozyEarth.com, that's C-O-Z-Y Earth.com slash fearless and enter my special promo code fearless at checkout to save 35% right now, all backed by a 100-night trial. That's CozyEarth.com slash Fearless. And be sure to enter the Fearless promo code at checkout, 35% off. What could be better than that? And you know what? That 35% off, we're going to talk about that tomorrow because we're going to talk about inflation and, and what it's doing. We're going to do that on Friday. So anyway, go save money at CozyEarth.com. Now, put on your fire retardant suits because <clears throat> I'm going to light a massive, massive fire. 
that no, on a topic no one else will touch, no one else will take this topic, where we're about to take it right here on Fearless because we get to be fearless. Gerard Michael, Carmichael, I'm sorry, opened Tuesday's Golden Globes Award by telling a half-truth or half of a lie, depending on your perspective. Carmichael said, uh, welcome to the 80th annual Golden Globe Awards. I am your host, Gerard Carmichael. Sure, 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 sure. And I'll tell you why I'm here. I'm here because I'm black. <laughs> In my opinion, that's a lie. Carmichael hosted the celebration of movies and televisions because he's gay. His skin color was the approved justification for handing the hosting gig to a 35-year-old celebrity most people do not know. But the real purpose to re was to reinforce Hollywood's preference for the feminization of American culture and to blunt criticism of its agenda by preemptively framing any pushback as racist. So Carmichael took the stage and blasted the theme of race, racism, and white supremacy. He's a malleable tool. No masculine, heterosexual man would voluntarily emasculate himself in front of millions of TV viewers. A half million dollar paycheck wouldn't compel me to do what Carmichael did Tuesday night. He told the world he was unqualified for the job the corrupt Hollywood Foreign Press Association gave him. The HFPA puts on the Golden Globes. Here's what Carmichael went on to say. This show, the Golden Globe Awards, did not air last year because the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which I don't say they were racist and or racist organization, but they didn't have a single black member until George Floyd died. So do with that information what you will. I'll tell you how I got here, why I'm here on the stage with you guys tonight. He then went on to say, one minute you're making mint tea at home, the next you're being asked to be the black face of an embattled white organization. Life really comes at you fast, you know. Huh, no, that's not what happened. Carmichael is not the black face of a white organization. He's a soldier in the alphabet mafia takeover of American culture. That's the whole truth, the real uncomfortable truth that all of America is afraid to address. The LGBTQ plus silent P movement controls popular culture, our schools, religious institutions, social media, the sports world, and politics. The silent P, which stands for both Perversion and pedophilia is the alphabet mafia's superpower. The silent P powers the drag queen groomers at our elementary schools. The silent P is the reason Jeffrey Epstein and Giselle Maxwell can be jailed for running a child sex trafficking organization without being forced to publicly name their clients. The silent P is why no one in the mainstream media is interested in the fact President Biden's daughter claims her dad showered with her when she was a child. The silent P is all powerful. The silent P is the glue to the shadow government ruling America. Now let's get really uncomfortable. Why is the LGBTQ plus 
Silent P movement partnered with BLM. Why have the LGBTQ and Black Lives Matter become the new peanut butter and jelly? Because pedophilia and perversion run amok in deconstructed families and communities. A lack of proper two-parent mama and daddy adult supervision fertilizes sexual misconduct. Let me repeat that. I want the back of the room and the dumbest people watching this show or whoever you send this to, to get exactly what I'm saying. Sexual misconduct runs amok in deconstructed families. If you have families where there are no dads and grandmama and granddaddy and aunties and uncles are raising other people's children, and your kids are just left to run wild, unsupervised. That's where sexual misconduct takes root. That's why black people have become the new gay people. That's an uncomfortable truth that people don't wanna talk about, but it's a fact. Just home from jail, uncles and cousins wreak havoc among unsupervised children. Unmarried, lonely, directionless women wreak havoc among unsupervised young boys. Think it through. We'll wait for a moment. I want you to think about what I'm saying, the reality of what I'm saying, what I've seen with my own eyes. You got communities overrun with guys that run in and out of prisons and jails. And then you got kids being raised in these communities where the parents, many of them, are either non-existent, too busy off working, or not really committed to their kids, and their uncle or cousin comes home from jail and he's left to babysit or be around your young children. That's how SHIT happens to your kids. When your communities are overrun with unmarried, directionless, lonely women looking for affection, looking for direction, that's how young 12, 13, and 14-year-old boys get sexualized by 20 and 21 and 23 and 30-year-old and 40-year-old women. This is the reality in our communities. You can turn your head and pretend like it doesn't exist. Al Sharpton, ain't nobody gonna talk about it. Your minister won't talk about it, but it's a reality that you're dealing with. And you wonder why our children are a hot mess. You wonder why our young boys are running around flaming everywhere. The destruction of traditional marital roles has turned America into a sexual petri dish. While both parents pursue careers, because see, I ain't just talking about poor black folks or even poor white folks. I'm talking about those of you out in the suburbs chasing a check, both of you. We've turned raising kids and developing kids into a side hustle, a second job or a third job, a task left to school teachers or PlayStation 
or Nintendo or Twitter or Facebook or Netflix. Rather than correct our error, the alphabet mafia is normalizing the dysfunction. A heterosexual, God-fearing black man in Hollywood is a dinosaur 10 years from extinction. The heterosexual, God-fearing white man has about 15 years left. The alphabet mafia is winning in a landslide. Black elites are its co-conspirators. The black media held Carmichael's monologue and selection as host as historic. We're so filled with racial idolatry, we can't see our role in a satanic plot. The Hollywood Foreign Press Association has a long history of corruption. 25 years ago, the Washington Post exposed the organization's unethical policies that included financial payoffs, payola, and expensive gifts to its 87 members. In 2021, writing the George Floyd racial grifting wave, the Los Angeles Times repeated much of the Washington Post's old reporting and added in the fact the HFPA had no black members at the time. Is that fact? really all that surprising. Think this through. How many black people cover American movies and television for foreign countries? Are we shocked? Leroy and Laquisha Washington don't work for the Hong Kong Gazette? Are we shocked about that? Oh, but the solution. Add black members to the HFPA. Six black people joined the FHPA mob. One of the new members is Kelly Carter, a writer for ESPN's Anscape, a ridiculously named website that covers sports and culture. ESPN is based in Bristol, Connecticut. ESPN is not the foreign press. Stephen Hill, a black man, was named producer of the Golden Globes. And Carmichael was named the show's host. My point is, black elites have no interest in correcting corruption. They only seek inclusion in that corruption. So congrats to Carter Hill and Carmichael for joining the Klan. The celebration of this historic racial progress fits with the same mentality that revels in black people calling each other the N-word. We don't want to end anti-black racism. We want to profit from it. Late in his monologue, Carmichael talked about a meeting the FHPA wanted him to uh, attend. He refused. Cracking, joking, they're gonna fire me? I haven't had a black host in 79 years. They're gonna fire the first one? I'm unfireable. <laughs> that ain't true either. They're not going to fire an alphabet soldier. Carmichael's skin color is part of their deception. His real value is derived from his sexual preference. His sexual preference guarantees he will go along with the silent P agenda. He's not alone. Every last one of us who have diminished the importance of family, de-emphasized the priority of raising kids, and compromised our biblical values for popularity has made the exact same choice and mistake 
is Gerard Carmichael. Not letting myself off the hook, I'm not letting any of you off the hook. We've all played a role in empowering the silent P. You abandon your family, you abandon God's natural order, you abandon the roles designed for the development of kids. This is the price we're all paying. The silent P, the perverts and the pedophiles control America. That's why Gerard Carmichael, a comedian most people haven't heard of, that man stood up on a stage in front of millions of Americans and told, I ain't even qualified. They just gave me this job because I'm black. That happened and it will continue to happen because we have abandoned our jobs, our responsibility. We, me included, haven't been in line with what God intends for man and woman to do. We've let the feminists, the leftists, the, the Satanists, the atheists control this country. And now perverts and pedophiles are calling the shots from behind the scenes. They're in control. They're the shadow government. It's the secrets that they have about us that silence us. And we just go along to get along and hope we get cut in on the action. That's all this is about. Can we get a slice of that pie? Draw a comma. He, he was, hats off to the dude, he was honest. Hey, they gave me a check for a half million dollars. He said that on stage. I know I'm not qualified, I know they're using me. I know Stephen Hill ain't qualified, I know they're using him. He, he said this on the stage. He threw it in our faces. And, and y'all said, oh, he's black, and this is black empowerment. This is empowerment of the silent P, perverts and pedophiles, the LGBTQ movement. You can sit there in denial and pretend like you, you Malcolm X or Martin Luther King if you want to. You're a pervert and a pedophile. You're assisting them. You want cut in on the action. <clears throat> uh, Dave Shannon, welcome to the show. TJ Moe is, is also here in studio with me. Uh, Dave, I'm, let me think of where I want to start with you. Uh, mm. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't, I've said so much. You said I, I it all. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you know you know what what do you want to say to any of that Let, let's i'm gonna just start that general there's two things jason i always want to be hopeful when i see things that are out of order because i still know that god is at work even though we might not like the situation he tends to work with messy situations and bring about good we just got done celebrating that in christmas they sought to kill Jesus, but in killing Jesus, it was actually the way that he was going to bring about victory for his people and take over the whole world. And so whenever I see an organization or an institution seeking to be so prideful and arrogant by the way they did this, Jason, you're absolutely right. This kid was really, we just saw an abusive situation happen on stage. He emasculated himself. One of the reasons he did was because he... He's been so comfortable emasculating himself that because of the culture that his father and his family has created in his home. So it was nothing for him to go on stage and emasculate himself and to say, hey, look how I've been treated. That's the culture that he's used to. 
But not only was he saying, hey, I, I, I know I don't deserve to be here and I'm only being used by the, the Golden Globes and so are everybody else. He was comfortable saying it and the Golden Globes was comfortable with him saying it. That is arrogant and prideful to say we're going to use people for whatever ends we want to use them without them actually being valuable to us. Wow. When you see that kind of pride and that kind of arrogance happening on such a public stage, in one way we should really take hope. Because the Bible says that pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so when we see kind of the feverish pitch of sin or degrity in a culture and a society that is just outright flagrant and prideful, we should, as Christians, find a place for our knees to hit the ground, repent, and rightly order our loves towards God and get ready for whatever sort of outcome out or falling away that happens from the culture. When we see that, that means God is a about to bring something low. When we see pride and we see arrogance at that fragrant level that a, that this guy is abused on stage by this company, by the Golden Globes, and they're doing it. And they're just like, yeah, that's what we do. That's just what we do. And everybody's acceptance of it. We should be ready to see something tumble. And we should be ready to rush in place and serve in that area. And the first place, the very first place that we should be ready to serve and repent of that we haven't been serving well is creating men like Carmichael. Having fathers that don't love their family so that they teach their sons not to be used by somebody for the color of their skin or their sexual preference. Those things, just not when you use somebody, use somebody because they are a value. What they produce and who they are are a value in making the world better, right? That's, that's how we bless each other with our gifts. But when fathers don't train their sons and say, hey, don't let people use you and abuse you and emasculate you publicly on stage. And don't you lend yourself to that. That is not who God has made you to be. When fathers don't do that, you get what Carmichael is and what he's done and the fruit of that type of institution using them. TJ, obviously, I focused in here on one I have no choice. Carmichael makes it a race issue the way he opened the Golden Globes. But I'm trying to explain to everybody, the problem may be most acute in the black community, but the problem is everywhere. We don't value raising and developing kids, and, and it's, it's why men are being a masquerade. There are no roles. Everybody's just out chasing money and looking, how can I get in on the corruption and the grift? And I think if we're trying to figure out why our kids are depressed, why they're waking up, saying, oh, I think I'm a girl. And I think, you know, cut my penis off or cut my breast off. This is a pervasive problem everywhere. And, and I think there's so much sexual misconduct among unsupervised kids. And I say that I'm a product of divorce. My mom and dad, I, my mom in particular, did an awesome job. My, my dad did a very good job of staying connected to me and my brother. But when I sit back, and, and I'm about to be too transparent, but I look at myself and, and how I behaved as a young person because I wasn't supervised. And, and, and it, you just start in communities, and luckily, you know, my mother moved us out to a community in a neighborhood that was far more two-parent oriented. But when I started out, the first seven, eight years, I, I was in a very, again, 
I moved out to the, to the working class suburbs and didn't know what, I think I've said this before on this show, but I didn't know what hind go seek was. We played hind go get it, and it was a sexual game. It, 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 that's when you're living in a community unsupervised. And, and some of these two parent communities are unsupervised now because everybody's just out taking a check. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 this is broader than just a black issue. Oh, no question. I, you know, I think <clears throat> you said you sp- <laughs> hide and go get it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, go get it. I was probably trying to think through uh, when we had, I don't remember being alone with a girl growing up. Even if there's somebody at the house, door was always open. Parents were in the other room. They made sure they were in the room over, not in their room. There was actual supervision, so we were afraid. Not that I didn't eventually make my own mistakes, but I, I had an authority figure that I knew that I had to answer to within shouting distance, always. Um, I think that's exactly right. I, I think. Our danger is not even just at home. Home obviously leads to everything, but you've made this point to me, I don't know if you've made it on the show, but you, but you made it privately, um, that at schools, particularly for white kids, because we're talking about it, things may be running amok in the black community or other communities, but straight white boys, they're out for being the oppressor today, but just tell them you're gay. And, just, and you start thinking about sexuality at such a young age where I don't remember having a sexual thought until middle school. And in the fourth, fifth, sixth grade, uh, we were playing basketball. We were playing kickball at recess. They're just what that wasn't, what, that's not where our heads were. But when you say in the second grade, we're going to do a, um, you know, they, they have these, let me show you what privilege is. And if, if you have a dad in the house, step forward. And if you have, and it's like pretty soon they have all these people here. And, the, and if you're white, step forward. It's like they have all the white kids up here and all the black kids back here. So all you white kids up front, just so you know, you're oppressors. Now, well, how do we get out of that? Well, if you're gay, you're back there. So I can go be back there and be with all the cool kids. So you, you put these sexual thoughts in these kids' head, even if they have a pretty good home, um, the, the, the incentive for young people to start going down this destructive road is unbelievable. It's unbelievable and it's pervasive and it's, I don't know if we're gonna, I, I do see people standing up from uh, Matt Walsh to us on this show and it does seem like uh, the groomers and the drag queen story hours is having an impact. But, but and, and we think, hey, let's just show up at school board meetings. That'll fix it. And mm. what's going to fix it is showing up with a Bible and saying, okay, here's the facts here, and we have to start living up to these facts, and uh, we gotta go back to prioritizing raising and developing our kids, educating our kids. We can't, the school systems are, are, are overrun. And I know, Dave, you're, you're homeschooling your kids or you're, you're part of a homeschool community and church that, but, but Classical Christian we school. can't leave it, yeah, we can't leave it to the government because again, these government institutions are controlled by their, and, and what I mean by the silent P and why I say perversion and pedophilia, they go hand in hand, but 
the perverted, they're controlled by their sexual misconduct and, and the secrets of their sexual misconduct. And that's why I come on this show and I confess my conversion because I don't want anybody to hold it over me. I don't, and that's like when people on social media tweet pictures of me at clubs with half-naked women or whatever that, you know, I, I, yeah, what? What are you talking about? Of course, I've already talked about that. What, what, what do you mean? You can't, that doesn't embarrass me. I, I, I've repented. I'll, I'll repent again right now if that'll make you happy. And re- mm-hmm. but, but I don't allow people to have secrets over me because that's leverage. And they're using all of these, our sexual misconduct secrets to leverage us into silence. And, and that's, we have to live more righteously Again, Dave, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit off today because I've got things I want to say. I don't know if I have great questions. I just want you to participate in the conversation where appropriate. No, man. I, well, you've said so much in that opening monologue. I just want to say, let the church say amen, have an offering and go home, to be honest with you. It was, that was really good. <laughs> I remember reading it. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say to this. I, I will say this, though, Jason. Um, when it comes to education, there's something that we need to take in to it. Well, let me let me start back just a little bit further. When we're talking about the perversion, we are talking about pedophilia, but we need to take that perversion aspect back a lot further. God created a, a normal way of doing life. Anything outside of God's normacy is perversion. Adultery is perversion. Pornography, having sex outside of marriage, marriage, perversion. Those are all sins against God and sins against nature. God's designed the world to work in the way that he has created it so that it follows a certain form of success even when you follow that. So when we we move that perversion over to pedophilia, but you got to move it back even to homosexuality. You have to move it back to adultery, divorce, all those things. You have to move perversion back to anything outside of God's norm. And when you do that, you look now with yourself and say, oh my goodness, I have been perverted in the way that I've acted towards God and his nature. And then I need to repent. And then you can, after you repent, you pull that big old log out of your own eye, you can see the rest of the perversions really clearly. But Jason, what was beautiful about your monologue was that it hit all of us. We have to take responsibility for the alphabet mafia, a man that has not loved his wife the way that he is designed to and given himself to die for her and to create a a world for her to build a culture from. He He's part of the problem. A man that's not loving his son, a man that's not taking joy in being a father. All these things are at our feet. We're, it's not just at the feet out there, it's at our feet and we're responsible for that. When God made you and put his image on you and then you have a son that has your image on him and then you give them to somebody else that doesn't have that image to educate and train outside of the worldview in which you have, you have sinned. You need to say, oh my goodness, it's my responsibility to raise my kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord, not to give them to the government. They're not their kids, they're our kids. And the reason that we have this culture that perpetuates the government's ideas is because we've given our kids there. Jason, if we would just take a generation and give ourselves to raising that generation in the fear and admonition of the Lord and truly repent of what we've been doing and giving our kids away, that one generation would change everything else from here on out. That's why I can be so hopeful. You know, we've only had, what, two generations, roughly, roughly two generations of homeschool 
little kids in America, really at a high level. And when you look at the fruit that has come from that homeschool and classical private school uh, rearing of children, you see those people in the culture causing the most amount of change. They're starting businesses. They're reevaluating how they do life. They're worried about how they can be self-sustainers. And that's just from a short amount of time. Imagine if just one Christian institution like the Southern Baptist Convention said, we're not giving our kids to Caesar anymore. It stops in 2023. Wow. What would it look like in 15? With over 40,000 churches, give their kids to Christ. That'd be amazing. It's it's I want to make sure and I think I've made it clear, but I just want to listen to Dave. I I just want to make it clear to the entire audience, even my critics out there. If you listen to what I'm saying, I'm not wagging a finger at this group or that group because they walk through a long list of perversions that I've participated sex outside of marriage. I've slept with married women. I've, I've 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 just. I, all of them, just, you know, not, not, not some of them, <laughs> but I've committed a lot of perverted sins. And, uh, and I'm part of the problem. And, and the reason why I come on this show and I repent and I confess all this is because I'm recognized, I have to live more righteously. And so it's not about um, uh, just criticizing a certain group or uh, calling out bad behavior, you then have to compel yourself to live up to those standards yourself. Mm -hmm. If you want to make the world better, if you want drag queens out of elementary schools, you're going to have to live righteously. You, You can't, if you have a mistress, you have to kick her to the curb. Because if you have a mistress, eventually you're going to be at a school board meeting talking about I don't want Joe drag queens to school. And somebody's going to stand up and say, hey, aren't you banging uh, your next door neighbor? You need to shut up. You're you're not righteous. You can't tell me how to live. You cheating on your wife. (laughs) And so and and and. That's and again, a lot of people are afraid to wear their faith publicly because they don't want to be held to those standards. I have a, 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 a fear of that, but my fear of God is greater. And so uh, I, I have to combat my lust and discipline myself so that I can come on this show and say what I really think without somebody saying, well, hold on, man, ain't you in the DMs of uh, uh, my daughter? who's married or, you know, and, 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 you know I, I just don't want to be called out on any of that. So I, I try to live righteously and, and that, that's, we're going to, those are the types of sacrifices you're going to have to make if you want to create a better life for your children. You have to, and I wouldn't even call them sacrifices because it ain't going right. to do nothing but really help you, mm-hmm. but you're going to have to conquer your lust and your sinful nature if you're really committed to your kids, this country, it's, it's not just, hey, will I tweet out things calling out the woke? That's not enough. It's, right. are, are you willing to call yourself out 
and then compel yourself. And again, it's why I, I sit here and I make no, I've made a mistake not being married and, and pursuing a family and, in, in a real way. I, you know, I pursued it in my very secular way with no rules attached. Uh, I, I've made those mistakes. Many of us have entered into marriages with no intention of practicing monogamy. It's a mistake. And it's why this culture is so sinful. And so the things that you don't like, and because I, I, you know, my friends, uh, no, let, me, let me clean this up. People that I know <laughs> uh, complain about the culture, but don't want to clean up their own behavior. You can't clean up the culture without cleaning up your own behavior first. It's hard. And, and we got to be willing to, to do that. TJ, I want you to jump back in, and before we, oh, I think we're gonna go to Shamika and get a woman's take on this. But I, I have a few things I want to go through, but I want to ask you first. Yeah. That so you talking about your old lifestyle, and some of our behind-the-scenes Bible studies that we've been having. One of the things we discuss is there's only so much room in your head. Talk about listening to rap music and stuff, and the poison that we're putting in our heads. And now you listen to gospel music, and what that puts into your head. And so you now certainly over the last year that I've known you, read a lot of scripture. Hasn't that been the step that, this is what I've always thought, this is true for my life. When I'm reading more scripture, it's much easier for my life to be clean. Have you noticed that as you're reading more scripture, you naturally lose the proclivity to do the things in the same way that you were doing them before? I have to answer honestly. I think you could be right, but the way what I would say that the revelation I've come to is that by engaging in conversations every day about God, listening to gospel music, reading my Bible, praying, those habits have made it easier for me to live more righteously. It's cleaned up my behavior. Mm -hmm. When I limited talk of God to some occasional Sundays, and one day a week, that would get me through Sunday. <laughs> and then I'd have to deal with me the other six days. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't very good with dealing with me. But now that I'm in the habit of every day talking about God, engaging with him, yeah, it makes it hard because it's constantly on my mind. Oh, I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, when you're a Christian, you're going to walk by, when you're a heterosexual Christian, you're going to walk by beautiful women and you're going to think, <laughs> and then you're going you're gonna to stop mid-motion, oh, I'm a Christian. Let me, you know, address her that way. I, I, you know, I told TJ a story, I don't want to go, I, I went back to a city that I used to be very familiar with for an event and uh, a very attractive lady uh, engage me in a lot of conversation that night and uh, we, we scheduled a lunch the next day and she shows up and she's got this big wedding ring on. And I can just tell you the old me would have been completely, she had the big wedding ring on and that was just like, hey. so the first words out of my mouth was like, you married? What are you doing? Why are you meeting me? What? And, and because I'm, I'm a Christian, mm -hmm. and I'm just the old me would have been like, oh, she's dead. that's on her. I ain't doing nothing wrong, I ain't married. And so it's just the constant, you know, when I watch TV shows, it, it's changed the way I watch TV shows or anything. It, it's like, 
Because if the message doesn't align with my biblical worldview, I'm turned off. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for me to... (laughs) When I was a kid, this when I was a kid, I can remember the movie Porky's. It's a comedy, it's a classic. It's too old for you to remember, TJ. But it, it was a classic comedy back in the days. And I can remember me and my brother, they had a nude scene in Porky's. They're looking through a little peephole at the girls at their high school shower. And I just thought that was the greatest thing in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Remember that gym in Porky? Me and my brother was... And now when I look at movies and I see sex scenes or nudity, I literally go, this is so unnecessary. I don't need to see this. I I don't want to see... I I think I talked about some movie that had Matthew McConaughey... He was some kind of law enforcement guy, and there was this some 16-year-old girl that was the was involved in the movie. And do you know what I'm talking about, Christian? What you know the name of it? Uh, but Matthew McConaughey, Joe. Sleepy Joe, or Creepy Killer Joe. Killer Joe. Killer Joe's the movie, and and. Uh, he's there's this sex scene or sexual tension between them. He makes her strip in front of him, and I just said stop. And I've never finished the movie. I mean, she's in front of him, about to take her pants down, and I'm like, nah, I don't want to see no grown man with some 16. Stop. Don't finish the movie. That's a different me, and that's from just reconfiguring my worldview and being in constant conversation about God. You had a couple other things you wanted. Well. What you're saying there, that what you're experiencing is the renewing of the mind, right? Do not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, 2. The the other stuff was just playing off of what Dave said. Um, So I have, I did all of the going to school growing up. I was homeschooled for a few years. Then I went to a private Christian school. Then I went to public high school. Then I went to a public um, University of Missouri. So what I heard when I was a young kid, and people would say stuff to my mom, don't homeschool your kids. Your kids will be, they'll be weird. And now I'm like, that's the point. They better be weird. I don't want them to be anything like you people. This is crazy. And so now uh, my brother and my oldest sister, they have their kids in a hybrid school where they homeschool a couple days a week. And they take them to a, a Christian school that goes two days a week. So they get a little bit of the hybrid. We're actually getting smarter about how we deal with our kids socially and such. Um, we're going to have to create, you, you bring this up. Uh, often now, we're going to have to create, in my opinion, while we're still here in Nashville or in St. Louis, wherever we are, not to the boonies, but do sort of what the Israelites are doing. The guys you hit on here, they're going to create their own towns. We have to create our own shelters right here because guys like you and I still have to stand and fight the culture. But our kids are not fighting the culture. Our kids got to grow up to be men first and be women first. And so our job, you and me, is to go out and do this every day, and, and sh- like Matt Walsh is doing, go show up at these places, do what Kurt Cameron's doing, and instead of letting the drag queens t- have a story hour, have a Christian story hour. He went to the library and did that. They told him no. Eventually, there was enough publicity that they allowed him to read the story of Jesus. And so our job is this, and now the extension, some of what we learned down when we saw Tony Evans' church is, you better be willing, if you're going to fight this battle and protect your kids, to be able to keep your own job. And so creating this, it's all, it's, Dave said, you know, maybe it's just one generation, but most people are years away from getting in a position to fight this battle. 
because the vast majority of people have a job that they're hanging on by a thread. We're going into a recession, so they're just clinging and hoping. They don't have time to mess with their kids because they're just trying to make sure their kids are fed every night, and they're stuck. If they go out and, and step one foot out of lane, then they lose their job and their kids are stuck. And so they don't get to speak against the culture. It is so important that we start creating a parallel economy and things like this. The, our talk yesterday about Andrew Womack versus, that continued on for an hour in the back room. Like this is the place that you've created an environment here where people can step out of line and have these discussions, but most people don't have that. And so, yes, we want you to be able to take care of your kids, but you've got to take care of yourself and, and being able to provide for your kids before we ever get there. So, Dave, thank you. I want to get to Shamika. Uh, and, and let her participate in this conversation. I want to remind you all, uh, make sure you get your tickets right now for the Roll Call event at Rocket Town in Nashville, Tennessee, Saturday, April 15th, right here in Nashville. Come join us. Go to fearlessarmyrollcall.com. Barry Witness requires courage, not perfection. Need you here with us here in Nashville. I want you also, if you're watching on YouTube or listening on Apple, whatever, I want you to marinate on the opening of this show and the fire starter I, because these are big ideas and dots that I'm connecting and trying to explain to you all what's going on in our culture and how we're being manipulated and controlled by the alphabet mafia. And you won't hear this conversation anyplace else. You're going to have to listen more than once to fully get it. So please do. Shamika Michelle, next. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Let's roll out to North Carolina, bring in Shamika Michelle. Uh, Shamika, I wanted to talk to you about Gerald Carmichael and Prince Harry. We're probably only gonna talk about Gerald Carmichael, so I just wanted to warn you and, and tell you that up front. But uh, I wanted your thoughts, and, and, and maybe let's get down into the nitty gritty of part of what uh, I've been arguing or, or that I argued in my fire starter of the sexual misconduct that is pervasive in these communities where families have been destroyed and that the uncle and cousin coming home from jail runs wild with these unsupervised children and the lonely, unmarried, uh, bitter uh, woman runs wild with these young boys in these communities and we never talk about it. Jason, thank you for letting me speak on the monologue. I thought I was gonna have to do a Steve Kim and act like this was my show and just talk about what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so, when you said in your monologue about the unmarried, lonely, directionless uh, women 
and they wreak havoc among unsupervised boys. What I thought about, Jason, are the women who allow these revolving doors at their house and they have these men coming in and out, scrambling all the eggs and drinking up all the Kool-Aid. And then we wonder why these young boys don't respect women. It's not because the mom didn't demand respect. It's because she didn't command respect with the way she carried herself. There were so many times and so many young boys that had to see men coming in and out of their house, sometimes sitting in their room, listening to the headboard bang up against the wall, hungry, not being able to eat, not having any attention. And we wonder why they go out and do some of the things that they do. We don't talk about this and women act like they don't understand that when you have children with someone and unfortunately you all don't stay together, there are sacrifices that need to be made in order to raise children that grow up to be productive productive citizens. And I don't want to hear this whole, well, mama got needs. Mama needed to stay in that relationship, but she didn't. Mama needed to make sure this was her husband. She should have been, she should have married before she carried, but she didn't. So now you have to make these sacrifices. I have this man that you know, Jason, a lot of the viewers probably know that have been has been trying to date me for years. And I keep telling him, not yet, not yet, maybe later. And he says to me, you've been saying this for years because for years, I have been focused on my children. For years, I have had young, impressionable girls in the home. That was the focus. I'm not trying to be, as the girls say, flewed out. I don't need you to fly me out. I know how to cook. I can cook my own food. I can take myself out to dinner. And if you are not presenting with something other than just the, the normal uh, eat, and, eat and have sex, I don't have time for that. And so I do think that's something that we need to talk about in the community because we act like that's not an issue. And you went on to talk about people not wanting to have these uh, gender roles and be married. And we have made raising children a side hustle. You know, I was watching an old episode of Basketball Wives from years ago, but I listened to Shawnee, formerly O'Neal, talk about how she wanted to be more than a wife and a mother. She was married to a well-known basketball player and had five children. How dare you diminish being a mother and a wife to you wanting to do something more than that? That's a very important job. And both men and women have decided it's not that important because not only do you have women wanting to be bad bitches, wanting not to be boss, women going out here having careers. You have men who want them to go out and also make this money instead of taking care of your kids and focusing on the home. Men have also decided I'm going to submit to the will of women wanting to go out here and do something else and let somebody else raise my kid. Let the teacher raise my child. Let the, the Bible study teacher or whatever raise my child. Men have agreed to let women not be in the home taking care of their children. And men have decided not to even care about the seed because they're spreading it here, there, and everywhere, not even being concerned if whether the gardener is qualified to grow that seed or grow that plant in a healthy environment. So 
That is something that we need to talk about, Jason, because it happens too much and it's happening to, uh, you know, rampantly in our community and it's having a terrible effect on the community and the culture. You, you referenced uh, one of the things I was really blessed with to, to have a mother that, you know, her and my dad divorced. My mother never remarried. I probably have said this on the show before, but you know, I think my parents divorced when I was five or six years old. My brother was eight or nine. Uh, and as far as me and my brother know, even to this day, my mother's only dated two men since. A guy named Andy and a guy named Joe Dickerson. And, and I, I, I'm unaware if my mother's ever had sex outside of my father. I'm sure she has, but it would all be speculation on my part because I don't know. Uh, right. And, and we didn't live in some big old house. You know, you know I, our first apartment was, you know, probably 900 square feet total. So if there was something going on in that house, everybody knew it. You know, that, that's right. my mother. I can remember my mother. If I went to the kitchen and got a cookie, she would be in her bedroom and say, put that cookie down, boy. <laughs> and, and, and so if she was in her bedroom knocking boots, I would have heard it. I never heard it. I don't know. Uh, you know, and so I, I, I just... We've lost all of that. And, and uh, again, I, I go back to like pop culture and how they just, you know, you can't make a movie or a TV show without some illicit sex scene in it. And again, I'm not some prude, but it's like, damn, it's just over the top. I just don't, I don't want to see it. I don't need to see it. It, it doesn't advance the story, but, but they have this agenda Mm-hmm. And it's all centered around the destruction of family. I, I've said it on the show. I'll say it again. The, the, we have this issue with the police in the black community. We, we don't get along with the police. And that's because mama and daddy are not officer friendly. Because the, 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 the police should be mama and daddy. And once you respect that authority then it's easier to respect other authorities because they've told you, like, hey, with that man in uniform, blah, blah, blah. But they've totally torn down the family in the black community, and they're tearing down the family in the white community. And, And even though they may still be married, it's not really a family. It's people out chasing a check and and pooling their money uh, to buy nice material things for their kids while no one's really instilling the values that will get their kids through life and keep American culture strong where your kids can actually enjoy and they're not afraid. We've gone from, even in my day, even in, you could let your kids go outside and play without really having to worry. Now we're petrified because we know there's a predator around every corner. Right. Um, You know, one of the things, Jason, that I feel like my mother set a high standard because even having me at 15, she was very present. She was always paying attention to what I was doing. And so I had no excuse when I had children 
to at least meet that standard and to make sure I was there for my children and to be around and to know what was going on in their lives. I can remember being in high school and I am younger. I'm the youngest person that graduated in my class. And one of my classmates went to get a pregnancy test. And my mother's a nurse. She works here in the community. And because I was underage, she used my name so that the test could be free. Well, lo and behold, my mother shows up at the school because what am I doing 15 and pregnant and she not know about it? And I'm like, girl, why would you use my name? My mama know everything that I got going on. And so that's how on top of it my mother was. So people kind of laugh at me when my kids have guests over and they can't close the door. I don't care how old you are. My daughter is 26 and she doesn't want to live with me because she knows she's not going to be coming in and out at any time of the night. No, you're not going to have a guy over there with the door closed. We're not doing that. And so we have to start paying attention. And that's something that I'm grateful for, that my mom set that example to be available for your children and to know what's going on. You know, um, it happens a lot. I've seen a family where the, the mother didn't know that the daughter was gay. And so she had a girlfriend who was spending the night all the time. You got to know what's going on with these kids, because if you don't, you'll be sitting somewhere looking like Boo Boo the Fool while they're doing all manner of evil. And you are you are clueless because you're chasing a check or you're chasing a man. And we have to do better, Jason, for sure. DJ, you got any thoughts? Uh... Yeah. <clears throat> One thing about parents and, and caring about their children and their health and all that, you can actually think of it as a selfish endeavor. Because on the other side, these are the people that are gonna to have to be taking care of you. You're experiencing this with your mother right now. She counts on you just like you used to count on her. And if you don't raise good children, they're not gonna take care of you. I see people mm -hmm. all the time, old people, and their kids, they're estranged, they're out doing who knows what, don't care. And they send them to, a, if they even have the money, they send them to some nursing home and say, oh, you can die peacefully, you'll have care. And so it, you should be looking at it as how do I best help these kids to grow up? What are the best results? If, they, if they're straight kids, that's the best results. If they grow up in the church, that's the best results. If you look at the traditional American way, that is the best results. They will grow up to be uh, contributing members of society that will do well enough and know that I took care of them so that when I'm in my time of need, they will be right there with me. This is why I always say, I, I don't just want to have one or two kids. I need an army because what do I want my family to look like when I'm it, it, it's going to suck for a little while for the next 10 years while we're pump, pumping out kids. We got another one due in two months. I already have one. I'm hoping for several more. I'll see if I can talk my wife into it. Right. Because when I'm 60, I want to look around at Christmas and think, look what we made. And when I'm 85 and maybe I'm gone and my wife's still there, I want to know there's an army of people set up to take care of her because we took care of them. You remind me of me and my brother <clears throat> and the, the, the combination between the two of us and the great care we give our mother because of the sacrifices she made. Your kids are your real 401k. They're not a lottery ticket. M many 
parents, in my view, look at them as a lottery ticket and they hope they make it to the NBA or the NFL and I can retire. Now, they're really your retirement plan uh, in, in terms of caring for you. My, my brother is amazing and was amazing with both of my parents. I've been very good to my parents, providing them the financial comfort they, they need. My brother lives, you know, 90 minutes from Indianapolis on top of taking care of my dad's past now, but my, my mom. And, and it's because of our uh, gratitude that we feel towards the sacrifices they made. TJ's a thousand percent right. It, it's, it's, and you know, Shamika's three daughters are going to uh, be very good to her. They may not realize it right now. They may think she's too hard on them. But trust me, when they get older, they're going to be like, oh, God, thank God. Mm-hmm. And and they're going to take very good care of Shemekia. And again, it sounds like it's, it's self-interest, but it's really, it's what it's how God designed. The, the respect for elders and the cycle. Because you basically, you, you guys and Shemekia, because your mother had you so young, y- y'all don't realize it yet, but your parents basically become children. Mm-hmm. And and you got to put diapers on them and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> starting diapers and ending diapers. Gotta, That's right. Yeah, and and they become your children, and you got to mm-hmm. tell them what to do, and you may have to spank their hands from time to time. <laughs> uh, but anywho, uh, Shmeek, I'll give you the final thought, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll move on to Steve Kim talk a little sports. Yeah, um, as you know, we've been taking care of my grandmother for the last couple of months. So you're right when you say they start in diapers and end in diapers. And she said to me, I changed your diaper. And I'm thinking, but grandma, I won't eat in the food you eat now. But it's true because <laughs> of the sacrifices that she made, I don't have a problem, you know, helping out and actually taking care of her. And my children have already said, Mom, you don't have to worry about going to a home and being left there. We're going to take care of you. My youngest is right now the one that's supposed to have me move in with her. Now, if I can get them to agree to not burying me and letting me be stuck and sit in a corner in one of their living rooms will be on the same page. I keep asking them, just have me stuff and let me sit there like they won't they won't agree to it though. <laughs> I don't want to be underground. Thank you, but, <laughs> Thank you Shamika. Great job as always. Uh, we're gonna move on, move out to Los Angeles, bring on Steve Kim. Have you seen this video of Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, getting ejected from an airplane in November? It was controversial back then. Well, the police have now released the video. It's interesting. We'll discuss it with Steve Kim. Excellent. All right, welcome back. Let's roll out to Los Angeles. Bring in Steve Kim. Steve, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. got kicked off an airplane in November. Police uh, or authorities released the videotape yesterday. It caused quite a stir over social media last night. Let, let's take a look. I think we have the best highlights uh, from this engagement. It, 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 let me, I don't want to color people's thoughts, but just give me some context. It seems like Odell got on the plane, went into a deep sleep, 
took his pants off and was sitting in his underwear. And right before takeoff, they're trying to wake him up to get him to put his seatbelt on. And he won't wake up. He's in the in underwear, won't wake up, unresponsive. Flight attendants call security. They're uncomfortable, like, hey, is the guy on drugs? Maybe we should get him off the flight. It's a five-hour flight, same cross-country flight. Odell basically kind of refuses to get off the flight. They end up kicking everybody off the flight. People are frustrated. And, and so, anyway, that's the context. Let's watch, let's watch the tape. And then we'll, we'll get them out, but that's something that you guys got to make. Multiple times, multiple people. Hey, sir, sir, put your seatbelt on. All we're getting is this. I, we're, this is a five-hour flight. Yeah, this is five hours. Like, and that's up to you guys. Yeah. Ain't no way you could look at me. Yeah. Ever. Ever. Guys, You're going to wait 40 minutes, and I'm going to be on a private yeah. plane home. Good. Yeah. Get your fat ass. Yeah, I will. Get your ass off the plane for a second. Yeah, I bet. Enjoy the cheese board on the way home. So your ugly ass. Shit, don't mean nothing to me, bro. Got like up. I'm sorry. All you had to do was wake me up. Uh, Steve, last time I re- you were someone that was a defender of OBJ. Can you, <laughs> you want to defend that? You've probably seen the whole tape. No. I, look, I made the mistake the other day of saying, what, what team did I recommend OBJ for the other day? I, I can't remember. <laughs> I, I don't like OBJ. I should have never recommended him any team. He's a nightmare person. Uh, he, he, the Titans. I said, yeah, bring him and Aaron Rodgers here for the Titans. <laughs> I, I don't want any parts of OBJ in this city. He's not a good person. He's a spoiled, pampered, rich athlete that doesn't know how to conduct himself with people. He has no class. This is an example of it. I saw people on social media defending him, and he did nothing wrong. And he, you know, because they're only seeing the back half of the video when he's somewhat cooperative with fire and rescue. But he's called. If I was on that flight, I would be irate. You pay all that money. And, and you've got things to do with your family, friends, work, whatever. <clears throat> You're flying across country, and this man disrupts this entire flight, takes his pants off, goes to sleep, won't wake up. You know, you know he's doing that on purpose, because as soon as security shows up, now he's waking up and he's talking with them. Uh, Steve, your take. Well, I made it pretty clear. I don't know if I had said it to you. After that incident... I said the cowboy should stay away from that circus. And the word I think you're looking for is entitlement. But a couple of thoughts as I'm just kind of watching this whole thing. No, number one, um, people get annoyed when you take off your shoes or your sandals as you get onto a flight and board. This guy took off his pants and was in his Fruit of the Loom or his chonies? Really? I, I, I mean, 
and then when you have your shoes off, you stick your feet way underneath that seat so really people don't understand, hey, look, I'm kind of barefoot here. The, the other thing is, I don't know if it's an overreaction, but think about this. They literally surrounded him with a fleet of law enforcement, right? What nothing ever happens on Spirit Airlines who have like the best undercard fight since Don King in the 90s. I mean, think about it. We've all seen the Spirit <laughs> Airline flight. People are throwing down and undercard fights are breaking out. And it's about, and there's not a single security guard. There's not a single stewardess to ever break it up. Here, because a guy takes his pants off and won't wake up, you basically have like a SWAT raid. I thought that was kind of strange, but on a more serious level, it, you're right. If I was one of those passengers, I would be unbelievably upset. And my view is this. If you rent a private jet like you said you could have, first of all, you should have done it. Second of all, that's the time to get butt naked uh, on a flight and just lounge out in your boxers. I, I did not understand that, but you're right. It is entitlement. And people will say, well, OBJ always seems to have bad luck. Or you know what? Maybe he is the bad luck because he's the common denominator in all these issues. And if I'm an NFL team right now, OBJ blacklisted. Get him out of my face. Don't want to hear his name. Different kind of Antonio Brown, like a less dangerous mm. Antonio Brown, but it's still a headache not worth having. And Steve's right. Entitlement is the right word. And it's why I'm so leery of like this whole thing with athletes have changed in terms of you used to get ahead by exhibiting certain behaviors and being a leader and a captain. Like when I, in high school, I was a captain. I was the clear leader of our football team. I did most everything the right way. In college, I was almost just the reverse. I wasn't a leader. I was a locker room cancer, and I got treated poorly. I deserved it. But now we have uh, this thing. If you have enough talent, it's like no rules apply. I've made enough money. I'm telling everybody to kiss my. And it's like athletes are different now. I, I, I don't. The money has made them mostly, I think, many of them, the most talented, just, just not good people. This has been true since at least I was a kid. I don't, I'm not super familiar with older receivers, but T.O. has been doing this. Wide receivers have been in la-la land forever. Colin Coward's got a good line. The further you are away from the football, the bigger of a jerk you are. This is why corners are divas. This is why yeah. wide receivers are divas. Um, this, this is not new for them. My, my issue with Odell here, watching him sit there, and I get it, he was in first class, but everybody's getting off this plane, and he's yelling at somebody about telling him, you're poor, you go back to your loser life while I'll be on my private plane. Do you know what a jerk you have to be to be saying that to somebody while a mother steps, uh, in a different part of that video, a mother is trying to, she's climbing over things and getting her luggage out because her trip back home or wherever she was supposed to just go with her family is ruined. And you're throwing that in their face because you won't walk off a plane. This is a little more than T.O. going to the star and putting the football down. You know, we used to, everybody used to call him a jerk, doing his uh, sit-ups during his holdout when he's on the driveway. That, that's diva stuff, but this is a different world. That, that kills me. I will tell you, airports are weird, though. I was at the airport um, 
going to Dallas. The wor the, there's not a worse time you could have possibly flown southwest than when I did going to and from Dallas over Christmas. I was I was there the day that southwest canceled 75% of their flights. Okay, hmm. but this is before. On the 21st, December 21st, I was flying out and there's this poor mother who's it's it's I don't know if she's a single mother or what, but she's sitting there with a stroller, got a kid crying in the stroller, and she's got a kid with her on her hand, probably a three-year-old walking around. And her flight is about to leave 10 minutes from when we're supposed to be getting through. And we're in security, we were all in line for 45 minutes. So she's telling people this and everybody moves aside and there's this one jerk right in front of me who says, I've been waiting a while too. And he will not let her pass. And eventually I said, hey dude, don't be the one jerk in the, in the, in the, I made a ruckus about it. And the person in front of him said, oh, I'll just switch spots with you. Eventually she got through the line. That kid was on my flight. We had an hour to go before we had to get on our flight. He sat right behind me on my flight. And I'm like, so you're telling me you didn't care anything about this mother and her two children. You had just been waiting long enough that you didn't want three people to come by you in security. That's just how people are at airports. And Odell, apparently no different. I like that story, but where I go with this is back to Steve's word about entitlement. And, and we love to talk about white privilege, white entitlement, and, and entitlement and privilege has no color, perhaps other than green. Mm. And, mm. and <clears throat> you couldn't be more entitled and privileged mm. and, and selfish and, and just unjustifiable behavior to inconvenience a plain load of people. Uh, into, so that, that's more than 100 people probably on this. If it's a five hour flight, it's a big jet. Mm -hmm. There's close to 200 people on this flight. Many of them, who knows why their mother could be sick. They could be going to see a sick family member. They could be a job interview that's critical. They must have, who knows? And you blow the whole thing up because you're Odell Beckham Jr. And s there are people on social media defending you because you're Odell Beckham Jr. It, it, the whole thing sickens me, Steve. Yeah, also the etiquette. Like I've been on planes, especially after big fight weekends in Vegas, where you know you're gonna fall asleep. Now, here's the rule. If you're right by the window um, and you know that you're entrenched, as uh, far as I'm concerned, that's when you have the license to put on the seatbelt because you're going to have to do it, and then you go to bed. Now, if you're on the, the middle or the aisle, now you got to wait for everyone to kind of get past you and make sure that everyone's in their seat because the last thing you want to do is then fall asleep and get waking up and then have to move and jostle each other and then get back. It's hard to fall asleep. Um, Odell was in first class, which literally meant he had the seat to himself. Uh, he broke the rules here. If you're in first class, number one, don't. Don't take off your pants. But then, then you can put on the seatbelt because you know you're going to have to do that anyway. That's FAFA rules or whatever. Then you go to sleep. I don't get it. I just don't get it. And um, going back to Spirit Airlines, Odell's very lucky he didn't, like, go on one of those airlines. Someone would have squared up with them being disrespectful like that to the American public. They Someone should have squared up with him. I wish they had carried him off that plane. But again, <clears throat> they're locked in because of his celebrity, because of his skin color. Look, everybody else is getting off that flight before him, and it's because mm -hmm. if someone had grabbed Odell like they should have mm -hmm. and forced him off this flight, it's a racial incident now. 
everybody's handcuffed. And so, and I, I'm, I'm making more of this than many of you want me to make of it, but I just want to keep you in reality. Because of this whole Black Lives Matter, BLM, Karen, critical race theory, rate, institutionalized racism, white supremacy everywhere, you can't remove a jerk off a plane <clears throat> because of all that, and 200 people have their lives disrupted because of that. We have to cut this SHIT out. It, it's, it's damaging. There's black people on that flight that I'm sure were inconvenienced and irate and mad, but, but take race out of it. Just human mm. beings were disrupted, had this horrible experience, had to, uh, traveling is a nightmare. Ever, it's always been a nightmare, but ever since COVID, it's been a nightmare. And to have someone be this rude and disrespectful, and, 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 and we know for a fact if this were a white person, not even a famous white person, but if that had been Tom Brady, the internet would have melted with stories of white, and what's the NFL, and I know Odell's not in the NFL right now, but people would want discipline and action, and it would be all over ESPN. Look at this, is, this is the white supremacy we all deal with. Look, at they made this whole plane load of people come to a standstill and a stop. But because it's Odell, it's nothing is hey. oh, it's Odell to wide receiver. They are idiots. Nothing to see here. Uh, TJ, ahead, I have Steve. a question. And since you're big on decorum and, and, you know, caping up for the poor single mothers and stuff like that. So let's say you're on a flight. <laughs> you have a window seat. Uh -huh. You're entrenched. You're good. You're getting into a nice book. Then all of a sudden, the person next to you says, oh, sir. And you're like, yeah. Uh, my family's over there and my kids are over here. Do you mind switching seats? And uh, I know your first instinct, TJ, is going to be, well, you know what? Yeah, that's the Mizzou way I'm going to do. But then you look over to the seat that you're going to have to go into, <laughs> and it's Lizzo. And you'd be in the middle seat. <laughs> you can still move. <laughs> Just asking. So, How far does this go? Um... <laughs> Asking. I, uh, that's, that's an excellent question. An excellent question. You, uh, you politely exit the flight and you say, I will catch the next flight. That's, <laughs> I'm just saying. That's, everyone, so, somebody did that on, on this flight. Yeah. Really? Not, not quite what you're saying, Steve, but, but, but with, there was a family trying to sit together and one of the, um, the, the, the young girl had just thrown up. She was sick. And so two heavier set ladies that had a nice spot had to go sit somewhere else and they, they both popped up and said, no problem, hey, have your family sit together. There's a lot of really nice people. The airports show the best and the worst of people. You have people like that who you'll say, I can't believe they just did that. They're now sitting in a miserable spot on a three hour flight, this is horrible. And then you have the guys who won't let the single mother walk through security so she can catch her flight. I'll tell you, that's, airports are not a fun place. <laughs> I'm going to turn this into a conversation we were having yesterday, or that maybe right before I got on the prayer call, where it seemed like Marcus Mack was talking about he's given up on flying, mm. and and he drives everywhere now. I, mm. I am Ooh. in that mentality. The, the flying experience has been ruined. I can't stand airports. I, mm. I'm very reluctant. Uh, to fly anymore, and I prefer to drive. Someone, I, I can't remember who it was, was asking me over Christmas and Thanksgiving when I drive home to Indianapolis or Cincinnati, 
and it's four four hour drive or whatever, and I, I just don't know how you do it. Uh, you know, four I, hours. I, yeah, I'm like spend more time at the airport waiting yeah, in the security that, lot. Literally, that's where I was. And so anything five hours and in, I'm driving. Mm-hmm. I, I don't yeah. like airport. And I used to be just the opposite, where I'd fly everywhere, but I don't like the. And it's like I'm now I can sit comfortably and coach now, but I still would prefer. Uh, not to fly, and you know, I, I can't. I've taken one coach flight, I think, in the last 20 TJ, years. But go ahead, Jason. <laughs> from yeah. my house with regular traffic, if there's not an accident, from my house to Vegas is a four hour drive, and it's about an hour flight. But if you actually time it out, given the fact you have to go to the airport an hour early, and that's without a delay, um, you're only saving about 90 minutes. And more and more, I am now driving to Vegas when I still go to fights. I find it to be quicker the more I do it. And it's amazing if you have YouTube or anything on your phone, you can just like punch up a bunch of videos, YouTube, podcasts. Time actually goes by fast and it's great. From LA, two hours, you go to Barstow. There's always that uh, Barstow Del Taco, which is the original Del Taco, by the way. It's like a landmark. You eat there, you have a little fun. Then you take off with a nice full stomach of American Mexican fast food. Go down to Zizek's Road, then you hit the border, and you got the uh, Sam's Casino. It actually goes by fast, and I find it to be much more convenient now at this point to get through all the lines, the hassles, the security. And also, Jason, if you have to visit people within Vegas, now you have a car. And generally, the hack is when you leave on Sundays after a fight, Jason, I've done this numerous times. If you leave Las Vegas to L.A. on that 15, you have to leave before 9 or 9.30. Because at that point, it's still a four-hour drive. If you leave around 11 or 12, now it's a nine-hour drive, and you're better off just taking a flight at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So you got to be able to time it out. But I'm more and more like you, Jason. Anything under four to five hours, I can take the drive. Steve, I will end on this note because I know you need to bounce. I can't, I don't know why I can't think of the name of oh, the private oh. jet flight company. Wheels Up? No, it's not Wheels Up. It, mm-hmm. It's specific to California. And I used to take it LA, I think they flow out of Burbank, LA to Vegas. And I literally could walk out of my apartment. When I stepped out of my apartment in LA, I could step into my hotel uh, in Vegas, two and a half hours later. Mm. Jason, I mean, it, 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 I can't remember the name of the, the yeah, little there, private. Yeah, there's, there's more services to... like that. J- that guys, there's yeah. more Uber Air basically no now. Some, yeah. some of those, some of those uh, plane companies, I get them all the time now. Offers that you can, can get points. By the way, I don't have to bounce. I changed some schedule. We, I, I got to get into this. We, can we still talk about the NBA? This actually peaks oh, my interest. Po- oh, not- please. All right. Yeah, go so, go ahead. Go ahead. Although I still am a little crunched for time, but right, let's switch up. Uh, Ryan Glassbeagle. Yeah. Hold on. Ryan, no. Let me set it up. Ryan Glassbeagle of the New York Post, popular blogger on with used to be with the big lead. Great young kid. He tweeted out something today. If Adam Silver asked your advice, what would you suggest to get oh. the NBA out of the doldrums? <laughs> it's been a five year slide and these regular season games have ceased feeling like meaningful mm. athletic competitions. He's nailed it. I, yes. I, it's, I have virtually no interest Great. in the NBA regular season. The games don't mean anything. Everybody's throwing up stats. They don't mean anything. What would you do, Steve, to fix the NBA? 
All right, couple things. Number one, I would tell Adam Aluminum, because he ain't silver. I would tell Adam Aluminum, you resign. <laughs> you are part of the problem. You're a terrible leader, limp-wristed leadership. Uh, David Stern is rolling over in his grave. You are awful. You turned the, all the power over to the players who ran rough shot, and this is what we get. Also, the bottom line is this. Jason, I know you must have watched this movie numerous times. I think it's probably Denzel Washington's, uh, maybe my favorite role that he ever played when he played Malcolm X. And there's that great scene where he's going to a college campus, him with the Nation of Islam, giving out uh, lectures, and this pretty little white thing comes in. Huh, Mr. X, I'm racist too, and I hate whites. What can I do to help? And Malcolm just looks at her and goes, nothing. He just walks away. That was cold. I was like, wow, salam alaikum to you, Malcolm. You you, you, you were succinct there. <laughs> There's nothing they can do. Because years of load management, players actually telling you, we don't care, alienating the fans, and making it so that the regular season where so many teams tank or certain teams tank by a certain time, I think have really irrevocably damaged the sport to a point now people might care starting in April during the playoffs but from Thanksgiving weekend on all the way till the spring nobody cares in fact your old friend William Sharp or somebody put up a tweet of the top 100 television shows um, that were sports or in general you know the NFL and some college football are the only things that really rate? There was no NBA games. None, not even the playoffs, are even rated as high as like the Pro Bowl. The NBA has lost their foothold on America, in my view, and they did it to themselves. And unfortunately, uh, that famous quote, there are no solutions. Shout out to Ock Nation. None at all. It's over. It's over. You may be right, there may not be solutions, but the reason why there aren't solutions, I think is a bit different. And I'll, both of you guys respond to this. Uh, the reason why there are no solutions is because players in all sports, but most particularly in basketball, they're not chasing championships or wins. They're chasing contracts. That's the ultimate finish line in pro sports right now, the contract. That's the goal. You, you, you oh, I'm living out my NBA, my, my dream as a basketball player, a multi-million dollar life-changing contract. It's not a, I'm not demonizing that goal, but that's the goal. The goal used to be I want to get championships because that will get me a bag or a contract or you know, establishment. It's like Joe Montana made, a, am sure, a lot of money in the NFL, but compared to what they make now, not much. But winning all those championships gave him a life after career as a celebrity pitchman, as an icon. Yeah. You don't need any of that now. The seventh man, eighth man on an NBA team will make as much money as Joe Montana probably made in his NBA career uh, if he gets the right contract. And so... That's where I think has, you know, hurt all of sports. The, the, none of the, the games just don't matter as much because the contracts matter more. And now it's trickling down to college because those college kids yeah. are going down. The um, Ewers, 
forget his, his uh, first name. Ewers, the, the kid who played yeah. Texas this Quinn year. Quinn Ewers. Quarterback. Yeah, yeah, quarterback. Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers, thank you. He went to um, – Three different schools now, ain't it? Or <laughs> uh, this is his second. We'll see if he – because Archie yeah. Manning's kid is coming behind him at Texas, so he yeah. may be transferring again. But he was the number one recruit in the country. Went to – my college roommate's high school, my wife's high school down there, sat out his senior year because he had like a million dollar contract to go play at Ohio State. And that was the whole thing. Never played it down at Ohio State. Transferred before he got there. He's done nothing in Texas so far and we'll probably did, transfer Did he just him. say, he also, yeah, he sat out his senior year of high school, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's giving up football just for the money. Entirely. Yeah. He's the not games don't matter. Yeah. yeah. And South Lake Carroll High School, if you know yes. anything about high school football, is a powerhouse. The likelihood of them winning a championship with the best quarterback in the country is quite high. And he doesn't care because he has a shoe contract with Nike or whoever it was at Ohio State. And so I agree with you. I also think partially because of that and because of social media and, and a lot of what you're talking about, I don't think championships are celebrated the way they once were. Now you win a championship and everybody shrugs their shoulders. Uh, Georgia's championship is hardly going to be celebrated. One, because it was a blowout, but because of everything that surrounds it now, people sort of shrug and move on. Steve, I'll give you the final say. Yeah, and, and the other issue is uh, football is so popular. It's an absolute monster. If you take a look at the Nielsen ratings of which sporting events really rate high and also in general television, which sporting events make the top 100, I'll say it again, it's always the NFL and specifically the playoffs and the primetime games. There's only one basketball player right now in the last, I would say, five to seven years, maybe even a decade, that caught my interest. And I said, wow, this guy's must-see TV, and I can't wait to follow him. And that is Zion Williamson. I, I literally made it a point about three, four years ago to watch as many Duke games as I could. Problem is, he stayed there one year. So in, in essence, he was there for about four or five months, and then I think he had a foot injury or something, and he missed a lot as he blew out his Nike. So I'm thinking, okay, well, now he gets to go to the pros. And unfortunately, he has not exactly been AC green as it relates to durability, so he's never there. So all those factors combined in the fact that now there's antipathy with me till LeBron James leaves as it relates to my beloved Lakers, all of that. And, I, and I'm telling you guys, I am not the only one that feels that way about the Lakers in general and the league across the board. Thank you, Steve. Great job as always. Uh, we'll play some Shamika. We'll see you tomorrow. Shamika. <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>